1: Hello, this is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Rich Deacon, who is the author of *Gribo*, the loud and lousy story of gay bikers on acid and crazy head. Rich, thanks for being here with me today.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
1: So can you talk a little bit um, about why you wanted to put write this book, why you wanted to write about these two bands and this um, kind of uh, time period and subculture?
0: Right. Well, it sort of kind of goes back to, I, I'd already written a book um, about 17 years ago, 17, 18 years ago, about the Deviants and the Pink Fairies, who were uh, British counterculture bands who uh, were quite influential on the punk scene that I became part of when I was growing up. So I I went back to them. And that was my initial thing. I was enthusiastic about that. And I did that. And I remember after I'd written that book in 2007, I think it got published by Head Press. um, Someone interviewed me for a journalistic um, book in America. And I was it was America or not. And they asked me if I was going to ever write another book, which which band would I write about? And I said, well, if I do, I'd do it about gay bikers on Acid and Crazy Head. Both of these bands were from Leicester, which is where I was born. The band members were roughly all my same age as well, but I'd kind of moved away from Leicester to a place called Cheltenham uh, in the southwest of the country, and Leicester's in the East Midlands. So there was some connections still with my friends, all from the punk scene in Leicester at the time, and there were these loose connections. And in 1987, uh, this Grebo sort of, it was a media construct, but it, it kind of burst onto the scene and in the music press, I was already into the music then and it had been taking elements of things like the punk scene, 60s scene, and they were also bringing in sort of current things like hip hop and sort of dance uh, elements which were starting to emerge and creep into music at that time. So that's why I said if I was ever going to write another book, I didn't think I was going to, and I I thought I'd do this one. So, yeah.
1: So can you talk a little bit about – you interviewed a number of people for this book can you talk a little bit before we sort of get into it about kind of the research you did what you did to put this together
0: okay right so I did have some of these connections with people from Leicester as I say they were my contemporaries I didn't know them so much at the time when I lived in Leicester because I only left there when I was 14 but Occasionally, um, I used to see my old friend who used to come up and visit me in Cheltenham and I used to go back to Leicester, so I knew there was this scene. So I, uh, and, and by the time I started writing it, since my last book, social media had started becoming more into its own. It was becoming sort of a phenomenon. and It was a lot easier to contact people than it ever had been before for when I was even writing the, the Deviants and Pink Fairies book, which is called Keep It Together. So yeah, I kind of just contacted them initially by I think it was MySpace at the time then, that which is now kind of pretty much defunct. I think it's still out there. I think it's mainly just sort of like hanging in the ether with archive material in it. So but yeah, so I it, it kind of went from there and, and these people um out the gay bikers on acid and crazy head but probably more my age and were perhaps a bit more computer savvy than Even the deviants and the pink fairies who were from the 60s and early 70s. So they'd sort of picked up and run with that. And I did a lot of stuff by um, interviewing via Skype or whatever. I was using that. I don't use that so much now. Email email was good. Or actually just interviewing the people in person, going to gigs, meeting them before, Or, or, yeah, just catching up like that.
1: And you have like, and I just want to say to people that like your book is full of also images. So they gave, I'm going to guess that uh, many of them passed on their photographs because a lot, some are more um, personal photographs, it seems, and more like candid. Um, So you have a lot of like sort of images in in here as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, a lot of the photos were reproduced on the band's own social media pages so again over time fans have probably or people who took them at the time the original photos have reposted and then they've been reposted and then they've been reposted but then they ultimately end up on the say like the gay bikers on acid facebook page or the crazy head facebook page and they've reshared them and they've obviously ultimately been given permission by the people who took them originally but this you know this is sometimes a thing that comes back oh hang on a minute how can my pictures end up there and then they say well you know you did say we could use it and social media's come on a long way since then so that's why it's there but luckily i i mean most of the those kind of photos have been i've tried tracking down the original a photographer or whatever and try crediting them where possible but that's how it's come out yeah and there have been actual personal photos as you say which have come out of their own collection so they have been willing to share their photos as well for the, uh, their own photos rather than the, the reshared um, social media ones yeah
1: and so so you've done this and, and in the book you kind of mix sort of the history of the band members with um, the scene and what is going on during this time and moving us through. So could you talk a little bit about just who these uh, these two bands right who are the gay bikers who are who's crazy head like who are these bands and why did you feel like these were really important bands to kind of talk about and introduce because I think at one point I don't know if it was you or one of the forwards was kind of saying well why would you write a whole book about us like can you even write a book about us
0: yeah well there, there is that yeah I think mean, that's Mary Biker I think he said I, mean, I think both of them and Anderson out of Crazy Head might have also possibly said that um but yeah I mean as I said it was it, it was something I was growing up with at the said so the previous book I wrote about was something which was years but well not years before I, it was when I was young and it was a scene that I kind of missed but it was very influential on what I was listening to by the mid-80s I'd been a punk and then this so-called Grebo scene—I'll come to that at some point anyway—had um, emerged, and this was sort of bringing in all elements of things from the nineteen sixties and early seventies American rock scenes, or the American psychedelic scene, and the British rock scene, like Hawk bands like Hawkwind, who were also influential on the UK punk scene to some extent. You've got people like John Lydon and. Who were influenced by Hawkwind and a lot of the other British bands were Captain Sensible out of the damned and sort of Brian James, Tony James out of Generation X as well. So by the mid 80s, I had an older sister who was also a bit more into older music, rock music and psychedelic. And I'd started rather than just listening into this sort of punk that I was being blinkered by was opening my mind to it and it seemed that these gay bikers on acid and crazy head were also delving further back into the um the roots of where punk came from so whereas crazy head were more of a straightforward rock and roll band who were more garage rock and roll band you know influenced perhaps by the 60s sort of garage bands gay bikers on acid were more experimental and were probably taking influences from things that were coming out of the US as well at the time, like uh, butthole surfers and things like that. But it kind of appealed to me because I was thinking, hold on, yeah, it's, it's not just punk that's out there. We're actually taking this mishmash of things and they're making a kind of new sound. And the gay bikers were also influencing, um, also taking on board a lot of the dance influences, as, as I think I previously mentioned earlier. Uh, than hip-hop beats. So, I mean, it's kind of evident on some of their earlier records. And there was another band called Pop Will Eat Itself at the time who took all those dance influences on, really picked it up and ran with it. So they really took sort of took that, whereas the gay bikers probably didn't so much. But that's why I kind of really got into it. And it was also because they were from Leicester. Maybe there was a bit of a hometown sort of connection there, you know, where I was born and came from. So, yeah.
1: And so you mentioned, and you've said this, I'd love for you to um, talk a little bit about Gribo and what Gribo is and how like this comes out in the book, but also um, for folks listening in America, um, it is probably not a term that we have heard as much as folks in the UK and your area. So can you talk a little bit about Gribo and, and what that is and where that came about?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I remember the term uh, several years before it became the the term which was applied to bands like gay bikers on acid crazy head populate itself and zodiac mind warp and whatever i remember when i was at school uh it was like it it did apply to sort of anyone who was like a long-haired greasy-haired rocker you know these kids at school you you had punks, skinheads mods and all this and then the rockers in in the 80s early 80s late 70s were called Grebos. you know when i was at school and then a guy there was a journalist called james brown who's actually went on to uh, well, infamy for loaded magazine he was a, he was a sounds journalist and then an nme journalist but he founded the it was called lads magazine loaded which was um yeah it came out in the 90s in the uk at the time he just started writing for Sounds and NME. And for want of a better word, there was sort of this sort of kind of a raggle taggle group of bands who were sort of vaguely similar. They all had longish hair, spiky hair, punky, ripped up clothes, and playing similar music, maybe rock music. But, you, you know, it wasn't all exactly the same. It's kind of a, a wide umbrella that kind of loosely fitted this sort of group. So, Grebo, the term itself, um potentially, not definitively, comes from Grease Boy. So it could be gree for Grease, Bow for Boy, bow. So Grease Boys, as I'm going back to these long-haired bikers or rockers. Generally it used to be a sort of derogative term when I was at school for sort of kids who were too young to have a motorbike or were sort of like long-haired rockers without motorbikes. But that's where it came from. And James Brown just took this term and applied it to try and make a new music scene, which he did. And it probably didn't do a lot of the bands the most favors in the long run because anything that's created by the music press as a sort of made up genre can sometimes fall on its ass, as you know. Right? So,
1: <laughs> Yes. So, um, so can you talk a little bit about, so you've divided this into, what is it? Like 13, 14 chapters. So you have a number of chapters, but you, um, not only talk about sort of the band itself, but also some of the history or the biographies, maybe that's the more, um, or short biographies of some of the main members in the band and sort of that. So can you um, talk a little bit about who was, who was in these two bands, especially the people that you kind of highlight Um, you have both Anderson and you have Mary Biker um, writing forewords for you. So can you talk a little bit about them and, and who these folks are?
0: Well, yeah, they were all, nearly all from Leicester. Um, and they were all from, there was a rough, sort. the, the, the locust of it is a place called Wigston in Leicester, South Wigston, um, where several members of Crazy, so this is where it kind of overlaps. So you've got members of Crazy Herd and members of Gay Bikers who were all at school together, but they ended up in different bands. Mary Biker... Uh, actually lived in Market Harbour at the time, but went into Leicester to do a degree at the Polytechnic, a sort of, a, I can't remember, a graphics degree, I think. So he kind of met them on the punk scene. So there was a kind of overlapping. And then there was Tony Tony Biker, out the Gay Bikers on us, the guitarist, who was a guitarist, uh, who was from, he was an artist from Huddersfield, which is in Yorkshire, England. So again, he ended up at college in leicester at the polytechnic and was doing um the fine art degree i think it was off the top of my head um but yeah the, the members were sort of like so anderson out of crazy head he lived next door to Robert biker who was the bassist of the gay bikers Robert biker was like one of the first mohicans uh punk mohicans in the late 70s in leicester he got spe- expelled from the school they were at and went to a It was kind of not a special school. It was a progressive school, they called it, called Countersthorpe College, where they encouraged people to do as much as they wanted to do without. They said they could smoke in classes, they could play guitar, and they encouraged them to play music a lot. So you already had the guitarist out of Crazy Head, which is Kev Kev Reverb, Kev Bayliss, he was there. So he met Robert there, but they ended up in different bands. But ultimately, there was this big scene that they were all on and then they used to do club nights. So some of them used to DJ together and they went off into their own bands in the end. I mean, I'm just maybe cutting the story a bit short. There was something like called the Great Red Shark that started off in Leicester. And I think they used to um, do these DJ nights and sort of share the, the decks together and play the music. And then they all, yeah, they went off and separated and got their own bands together. Um, but the leading lights for these bands, there were a couple of bands. There was one called the Bomb Party and the Janitors, which in particular were two bands that were quite influential. They were local Leicester-based bands on on both of the Gay Bikers on Us and Crazy Head. Anyway, so they kind of started roadieing for them, they sort of picked up sort of like tips of the trade from them, and started doing their own thing.
1: And so you have, so they sort of are starting in this space, and then you kind of talk about. Um well, a number of the tours, but like sort of how they started to get, um, more, um, more of a following, maybe that's the best way I could say it. Um, so could you talk a little bit then? So, you know, they're starting, they're playing together, they're doing local things, but then they start to, um, go out and they start to tour and they start to get more attention. And so can you talk a little bit about that or some of the things that they talked about, um, that you want to share that you found?
0: Well, again, I think they all, it's still left after they left school and they were doing the Great Red Shark and all these early things together, these busking gigs and sort of DJing gigs together. Some of them ended up sharing flats together. So there was a big tower block in Leicester called um, Goskett House, which was quite a notorious area, in a notorious area called Highfield. And at this point, Mary Biker was actually seeing one of the um, members of the Bomb Party. He was seeing Sarah Carina. And Bomb Party at this point were probably... but well, they, were, they were already being sort of looked at by the music press. So they'd already moved to London. Um, and so Mary was with Sarah Carina, but then the gay bikers were getting some interest. So they decided to move down to London. I think Crazy had actually decided to move to Leicester. But I think with the name, I think the name actually probably started attracting interest. And these days, they probably wouldn't be a lot, you know, no one would give them the time of day. I mean, and and it isn't particularly the most sort of great name for a band, but at the time it, it attracted a lot of attention. And I think for the particular reasons that every, it wasn't just there for shock reasons, whatever they said, you know, this is just basically to confront everyone's fears. They, they, they're they scared of gays, gay homosexuals, whatever. They don't like bikers and they don't like drugs. So it's like confronting all your sort of gay bikers on Arthur. And um, they actually took the name from a, a, a Ray Lowry cartoon in the New Musical Express, which was a popular weekly UK music magazine at the time. Um, and apparently at the time because the cartoonist had a picture of a Hell's Angel on a motorbike with gay bikers on acid on the back of it as well they just took that and adapted it to sort of say this is what we're confronting they actually did get quite a lot of um, sort of threats I think from certain elements of the, the biking fraternity for you know uh, taking this cartoon and taking the name but yeah that's how it came about
1: um, and so these bands, and uh, that was one of my uh, other questions I had to for you to talk a little bit about the name because it is this name that um you would remember, right?, um, so the, you know, they're they're sort of playing, they're they're doing their thing, but they also uh, these bands end up getting signed to major labels, right? They end up sort of doing some larger touring. So can you talk a bit about kind of how that came about, how they started to, you know, and what happened? to them as they started to sort of tour larger like i know um at one point uh the gay bikers toured the u.s with who was it what's uh, i'm gonna totally forget motorhead it wasn't motorhead but they right like they, tour- did,
0: they did in um- they supported Dakota the uh, at Madison Square Gardens <laughs> on it, uh, but that was just a one-off one, yeah. Right, then- yeah,
1: but like they were, yeah. So they were playing these bigger shows. They both, like, right. I think Gay Bikers signed to Virgin, was it? Like they were signing to sort of more major labels. So can you talk a little bit about that and and what that meant for them and and sort of what happened? Yeah, well, if
0: I if I just backtrack a bit, because probably I, I probably didn't answer the last question properly because you asked me about you know how did they start first getting the attention of the media and. Um, yeah, the early gigs, they were picked up in London. And then there, there was a label called Intape, which is Mark Riley. He's a, these days, he's a, he, well, he was a member of The Fall. You've heard of The Fall? um, Mark E. Smith and The Fall. He used to be in The Fall and he had his own record um, label. So they were picked up eventually by uh, Intape, who the janitors, who I said were also sort of mentors of sorts of the gay bikers on acid and crazy head. And um, so when, when when they got picked up from there, it, it kind of sort of snowballed a bit. And the name, they'd already started getting the media attention and then Virgin uh, got interested. Well, they got a new manager and there was some sort of media frenzy and there were several labels that were quite interested, the ma- major labels for the gay bikers on acid. And they got picked up by Virgin. So Virgin took them on and then, on this initially at the beginning of the virgin signing they were sort of whisked off to madison square gardens to support the cult um it was i think it was called the new Mu- new music seminar which was i don't know if it's still a regular thing in new york or every year or not i know they have regular things these days like sw you know south by southwest whatever and but yeah it was kind of one of those things so yeah, that was uh, quite a big experience. <laughs> a big experience for them, and I think I mentioned that somewhere. And but well, I do mention it definitely in the book. Crazy Head, on the other hand, um, were picked up by Food Records, who were famous for eventually going on to sign Blur and becoming famous for bands like that. And um, yeah, they 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 picked that up. They did a couple of singles initially, and then again, it was like. Once they were initially signed to these sort of lower or independent labels, there was more of a major frenzy, and Blur were actually bought out by Parlophone, which is subsidiary of EMI. So they actually became on a big label for a time, but unfortunately, neither of them really lived up to the expectations that the majors expected them to do so.
1: Right. And it's sort of then they kind of fit into, like you mentioned Blur and the cults, and I think, and you mentioned Pop Will Eat Itself. We also, I think Jesus Jones comes up somewhere in here. So they also all fit into that sort of um that that wave of british music coming over um that i think some of those bands have more of a name than both crazy head or here in the united states right than crazy head and gay bikers but so can you talk a little bit about maybe how they were i don't know different or their relationship to some of those other bands that in the states at least got some more airplay and like you said
0: maybe lived up to the hype of them well, the Cult had already kind of made the name for themselves, and they'd already turned into some sort of. The Cult, funnily enough, were kind of not lumped in, but were associated with this Greed, the whole Grebo scene that, as it was named at the time, and, and came to be known as, because they had that rock thing, and they'd previously been punks anyway. So the Cult were quite. I think it was about the time of the electric... It was the Electric Tour when Gay Biker supported the Cult. And um, yeah, the 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 cult, they they were always going to be um, a, a big thing. They were going to be big on the scene, whatever. And it was a good thing for the Gay Bikers at the time to perhaps do it in America. But they were always going to be more of a mainstream rock band. The Gay Bikers still had that edge of sort of goofiness, maybe, which didn't go down too well with the music critics in the long run. It was all right to suit their needs at the time. Crazy Head really were more of a straight, as I said before, down the line rock and roll band who could have really made it. But I think by the time um, they were signed, they'd signed to Food and then EMI brought the label out, which was the label Blur, we're on the same label as them, Food. EMI were probably more interested, or, or the you know the A and R men and the managers were more interested in pushing Blur, which they thought a couple of years later was more commercially commercially viable. Um, Crazy Head really were great, and I think their later stuff was probably preempted. What became Britpop, which which Blur actually got picked up, you know, and ran with, um, and even some some of the stuff on their second album. Does sound a, a bit like sort of Stone Roses riff, but you know it wasn't to be. They were kind of a bit too early for their own sort of good. They sort of moved out of the garagey sound into a sort of more poppy melodic sound. But by the time Blair came along, it was too late for them. The, the, the record bosses had moved on and wanted to deal with them.
1: Well, yeah. And one thing I think you mentioned, um, like sort of by 1990 coming out of the UK, it was like all Manchester, right? You mentioned the Stone Roses, too. like So was that Manchester sound? And do you think like that was kind of the the death of Grebo, right? The death of this kind of like or was there this I mean, this at least more attention being played to what was happening out of manchester what was going right we and, and the groups that were coming out then in the you know early 90s i guess i'm thinking you know even in spiral carpets and
0: it was very strange at that time because there was so much coming out i mean the dance scene was coming up ecstasy was coming in the gay bikers on acid and all were i mean they were probably into acid and speed anyway but ecstasy was coming in in britain certainly it was like the second summer of love was 1988 gay bikers on acid and crazy head had kind of peaked in 87 they were still around in 88 crazy heads first album wasn't until end of 88 but there was that thing so the Manchester scene which was picking up more or crossing over more with the dance sort of vibe was definitely becoming more popular and i mean pop will eat itself definitely picked up, even though they were more of a rock band at the same time that gay bikers were initially in Crazy Head, they definitely picked up on the hip-hop thing and took it and ran with it more than the gay bikers did at the time. Um, Gay bikers did definitely go into that in the later album, uh, the last album, Pernicious Nonsense, as they they named themselves PFX on that, was definitely quite dance-orientated and hip-hop-orientated, but it was probably a bit too late. Um, They did have an EP called Space, S-P-A-C-E, and that was, you know, very much down with the sort of dance scene of the time. But you're right, and also with regards, um, Grunge also started making an appearance. So it was kind of like the British bands, which were like Gay Bikers and Crazy Head and other bands, on the, the smaller bands on the Griebo scene, started being... Overtaken by the uh, American grunge bands from Seattle. And that kind of also sort of, I wouldn't say swept them under the carpet, but, you know, overtook it. I mean, they have been referred to prior to grunge was named grunge, the American grunge scene. There are press references saying this is really grungy. So it was, yeah, they were kind of a UK grunge scene that got superseded by the American grunge scene.
1: Yeah, I, which often happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> we, we could probably have a whole conversation on how the U.S. likes to take over from other people, <laughs> wow. um, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, uh, but like, I think too, like, but these bands so they kept playing together. Can you talk a little bit about then, sort of, those later years, right? I think uh, Crazy Head's last album didn't almost what was it like the late 1990s came out, right? So they've been they continued to play together even after they were not um, at that peak. So can you talk a little bit about sort of the later years of these bands and sort of what has happened after that?
0: Yeah. Well, um, i got, first of all, I've mentioned the gay bikers. They, they did, you mentioned earlier about them going to America and they, they did the cult uh, support in, I think it was June, June, July, 1987. Um, Early April 1988, they did a headlining tour. They were still on Virgin at this time. Uh, I think that went reasonably well. It still had the major label support of Virgin at the time then. Um, And then by the time of their second album, which ended up eventually doing, you know, it was probably back to real good form. The first album was actually deemed a real commercial flop. They had a producer who used to be in Psychic TV, and a band called ATV Alternative Television, which mean, was called Alex Ferguson, not to be confused with the Manchester United football manager. But I mean, I, I look back on that album and think it's good. Um, a lot of the band don't like it; they think it was overproduced. But and it, it was a commercial flop anyway. So by the time of the second album, Virgin had lost interest with them. So Gay Bikers ended up um, for a third album setting up a their own record label called Naked Brain and they produced a sort of very sort of experimental album and they put a lot of money into it. They also then went to America self-financed tour, which was in 1990, sort of towards the end of 1990. And they met, uh, they actually met butthole surfers. They decided to drop in on them on their tour over when they were in Texas to see them. And they licensed a butthole surfers record. Um, but it wasn't But Whole Surfers, it was uh, what was it called? It was, the, uh, it was kind of basically a, a techno-electro record uh, that they'd done. So they released it on their naked brain. But they got back to the UK, did another tour and I think that the excesses of that last American tour kind of took it out on them, especially robber Biker, he said, and you know, he was just burnt out. They did a gig in London in December 1990 and robbers bass got nicked from backstage and he said, that's it, I've had enough, I'm not doing anymore. That was, so that kind of signalled the end of the Gay Bikers as such as a band for many years. Um, crazy Head, also on a similar timeline, um, probably split about the same time in December, the original lineup, So the bass player Port Beast left, and then I think a few weeks or so later into the new year, They got someone called Christine Wigmore in um, and she played bass for several years. And so they did carry on and they were doing a lot of um, self-made recordings still in Leicester then. Then they got someone called Pete Creed in in the mid-90s. But I mean, those glory days of, you know, being fated by the music press and getting front covers and interviews had, had long gone. But they carried on and... I think, they yeah, they did in another album in the late 90s, I think 19, 1998, and then Anderson, the singer, he went over to, he moved over to Cambodia uh, teaching English as a foreign language, and he was there for several years. So, yeah, that was it. But the gay bikers never played again as the gay bikers until about oh, six, six or seven years ago um, or more. Mary Biker went on to become probably the most sort of successful one musically at the time. He went into a band called Pig Face, industrial sort of super group, as they called it, and band called, um, Apollo 440, who had quite a number of UK, quite high chart hits. Uh, yeah, sort of various things like that, but that was it
1: right and so you have these um you, you mentioned that it was like because it's like what 2016 2017 where these bands could kind of reunite can you talk a little bit about um the indie days um and because I think I could be wrong is that the first place they sort of the gay bikers reunited was that indie days
0: um in the UK, I or- I think it was that talk they did it it was a few days before that so I mean <sighs> In some ways, it was easier to rehearse, because, even though when you're on the other side of the world. So Tony Biker's over in Japan. He's been living in Tokyo for some years. Uh, Mary, at one point, was living... Mary Biker, the singer, was living in Brazil, but he'd moved back to the UK by this time. And he, funnily enough, he's also been the, the lead singer of Pop Will Eat Itself for 20-odd years or whatever now, or getting on for 20 years. So... Um, yeah, they got back together, and they, it was only a sort of a smallish tour, and I, I think it culminated in the Indie Days tour, as you say, at uh, Town and Country Club, as it used to be called, or the O2 Forum, as it's called now, in London. It's quite a big venue, and that that was really good, yeah. That was a good tour. I saw them a couple of times on that tour. They, they weren't huge venues, but they were sort of well-received, and, and it went down well. Um, but, yeah, I think... They were trying to you know, just relearning the parts as well as they could on different parts of the world or different parts of the country and got together for a week's rehearsals before and just got on with it. And I think the, the Crazy Head reunion, which ended up in Indie Days the year after, uh, came about. As a result of that, one of the members of Crazy Head, a couple of them might have been there, one of them spoke to the promoter of the Indie Days in 1980s. I can't remember what year it was, the one that Gay Bikers played at and suggested they play. So they got back together and, yeah, they did a tour the next year. And funnily enough, both bands are still now doing gigs every year. So one of Crazy Head is living in Turkey, but he comes back every year at the end of the summer and he'll be joining them in a few weeks' time to play some gigs in the UK. And Gay Bikers on Acid are playing at the Rebellion Festival. They've been invited to play there, which is, I don't know if you know, it's like one of the biggest annual punk festivals in the UK. So it's like, it's the punk festival, but it's kind of quite diverse. So you get a lot of bands invited on. You've got a broad spectrum of punk-type music. So they're playing that, and they're playing several more dates each as well.
1: So you have like, you have like decades of history and stories here um, in your book. Are there ones that are there any stories or um, things that you wrote about that really stand out to you? Or you, you know, that you're like, this is this was a really, whether it was a great story or not, but this was a, you know, a story you want people to know about or
0: about Uh, yeah there are there are some that i'm not allowed to tell as well
1: (laughs) i'm sure there are
0: (laughs) but i don't know i mean there are i mean there's a lot of things in there there's stories about when crazy head were like sharing the same dressing room as eric clapton and but i won't go into it i mean if anyone (laughs) wants to read the book they'll have to find that uh yeah, there, there are some really, there are some amusing anecdotes, and there are some, as I said, that I've kind of were off the record, which I couldn't put in. Unfortunately, I, as much as I'd left to tell them, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: was there anything when you were doing this? Like one of the things I always wonder, like you know, you you know the band, or and you you know you're doing this. Was there anything that was really surprising to you about sort of like their story or what you learned, or was it kind of like, yep, this all makes sense?
0: It kind of. Uh, they're all pretty much down to earth. They just sort of like, you know, I'm just like they. They were kids from Leicester. And they grew up in the village or whatever town next to where I grew up, and I got the same friends as them who are still friends with them um no they're they're all pretty much down to earth, even Mary, who's probably Mary biker the gay biker singer in lockdown in, in a couple of years ago when lockdown was eased, and we were allowed in the u k to uh to sort of go on holiday or go away on vacation uh, you know in the u k for a you, you know I went down to Brighton to see. And they both live. Uh, Mary's living down there, and Anderson, the singer of Crazy Head. They both live in different parts of Brighton. We just met them and had a great night out. And you know, they're just down to earth people, but they, you know, they're great. And that's it. Yeah. I've, and it kind of, you know, I've, I'm, I'm sort of, I've seen a kind of bit of that sort of lifestyle anyway, so I'm not too sort of shocked by anything that they might have done. But. <laughs>
1: so so like what is it so i would love for you to like why are these two bands like why is this i mean like why do you think it's so important that people know about these bands and that this story gets written and this is down like what is it about them and this scene that you think is really important to like sort of music and sort of music spaces and music culture
0: i think that The music press made them, made this Grebo soon. And I'm not putting down any journalists or anything in particular about it. Did it to sort of satisfy an individual, maybe individual journalists or individual sort of music papers needs to get, oh, what are we going to write about this week? And they did, but then they dropped these sort of, scenes as soon as they think oh we can't do anything more with them and but there was more to it than that and the gay bikers are very intelligent but as our crazy head they may you know the name may not come across as sort of particularly sort of cerebral to a lot of people but they were all very intelligent and they did have a sort of an agenda the gay bikers were different to crazy head as i say in the fact that they were more experimental more mischief makers more like the merry pranksters of the scene And Crazy Head were more like the straightforward rock and rollers, but with a sort of acid garage bent. But they, you know, it's it's Grebo now just seems to be this minor footnote that's been lost. And I and I do think that okay, it's a media constructed thing. But the bands that were lumped under it possibly didn't all benefit from the fact that they were put under it when the media whiplash came or the media backlash came. So they still need to be sort of not acknowledged because there was some great stuff out there. The music was great. Gay bikers combined some great sort of experimental stuff, taking on punks sort or of, as I say, dance music and sort of hip hopy styles and whatever. And it it just doesn't deserve to be just forgotten because it was a sort of thing that was in favour for 18 months at the most and then just sort of forgotten. You know, you know, keep the name out there
1: so do you think um is there talk from any of them about i think in somewhere uh in my reading reading your book there was a mention of like finding a lot of like unreleased recordings and that kind of thing do you think they're gonna come like anyone's gonna put this together they're gonna come out with a compilation of some of the old stuff like are they working or are they just sort
0: of touring (laughs) i think the gay bikers well the gay bikers have recorded um And that was, again, just before the pandemic. They'd started recording new material and they released a sort of self-release single. Um, It must have been just before. Yeah, it must have been probably February, March 2020 or so. So they did start doing new stuff. um, And Crazy Head apparently have got quite a lot of archival material, which still I think I wrote at the end of the book, which was two or three years ago. still hasn't seen the light of day but they have got a lot of archival material because i think um kev out of crazy head was also working at recording studios in leicester at the time so they had the opportunity to go in there and do that there was an album of sort of cover versions that they recorded and it was also it was actually reviewed in a monthly british music magazine at the time so you're having cover versions of things like i think it was michael jackson's song and various sort of like but it was obviously some of it's going to be tongue in cheek, but that never actually saw the light of day in the end, even though it was released, reviewed in a monthly, you know, an actual national. So, you know, who knows one day that might all come out, but there are a few tracks out there that have seen the light of day and they're pretty good off there as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Which is awesome, right? Like how do you get the music and promote it and get it out there? So, so, um, I will ask you my final question. So, as I've talked to you for a while about this, like, is there anything else you're working on now that you want to talk about, either um, with this book or with the new project or like self promotion? What's your what's going
0: on right now? (laughs) Well, I should say, I am going to be, I've just, right, this is a gay bikers on acid and crazy head and zodiac mind walk. Collaboration. They've got. There's a band called Thrill City. I went up. Went up to Leicester on Saturday to see the band. So, uh, so you've got Robert Biker on bass out of, out of Gay Bikers on Acid. You've got Rob Vom the drummer out of Crazy Head on drums, and you've got Cobalt Stargazer out of Zodiac Mind Whip and the Love Reaction on guitar. And you've got a young singer who they've got uh, called Aiden Houston on vocals. So they've kind of gone back to this 1970s sort of, some aspects, Southern boogie type of rock. Uh, so I went up for that. And yeah, that was great. The only thing was the weather was absolutely diabolical here. So I don't think the weather was great for the turnout. Tom Jones was playing around at the cricket ground around the corner. But I don't think Tom Jones would have affected the, you know... So that was that. I'm going to review that, hopefully, anyway, for the the magazine called Viva La Rock I contribute to. Um, The other thing I'm doing at the moment is I'm updating the previous book I mentioned called Keep It Together, Cosmic Boogie with the Deviants and the Pink Fairies. So when that was first published, uh, the Pink Fairies and the Deviants have both reformed in one form or another since then. So there's until the deaths of various members, unfortunately, but there are, so that's another thing. So there's another, another 10 years worth of updates to do on
1: that. Awesome. Well, it was really great talking with you again. Um, Rich Deacon, who is the author of Grebo, the loud and lousy story of gay bikers on acid and crazy head. Thank you for talking with me for new books and popular culture.
0: And thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure.